I'm going now, alone if I have to. What? Where? It's pouring out. Lopans, the Wing Kong Exchange. The Wing Kong Exchange? The most dangerous cutthroat den of madmen in Chinatown. You can't just waltz in and out of there like... Like the wind. Yes, I can, Miss Law. My mind and my spirits are as one. As two. I said I was coming. I'd go with you, but... I know. There's a problem with your face. Okay. You people sit tight, hold the fort, and keep the home fires burning. And if we're not back by dawn, call the president. Episode 124 of the Cult of Matt Mark, Cult Film Review Podcast. I'm Matt. And I'm Mark. And make sure to head over to Facebook and like us, the Cult of Matt Mark, or go hit our blog at cultfilmreview at gmail.com. Man, I did it again. Second week in a row. Hit our blog at cultfilmreview.blogspot.com or send us an email at cultfilmreview at gmail.com. And just finished my edits for Nova Byzantium. Uh, looking for a August release date. So I will be pumping that heavy and splattering the page with it. So uh, make sure to stay tuned. Uh, you know, I'm wondering, uh, well, every ahead. time I go on the uh, Facebook uh, the cult of Matt and Mark to post images. Had two different images I was thinking of posting. Well, and today. hardcore pornography for the hardcore fans. Uh, not that hardcore. There's some nice vad shots in some of the other pictures. Yeah. And I, I went. With, I was thinking about going with the centerfold, but I don't know if our audience <laughs> would like that. So I went with a, a bit from the movie. I hope you were in a public space when you opened that image I sent you. Wait a minute. Does does Facebook uh, monitor and edit and get rid of? pornography when you post stuff oh yeah it certainly does i mean uh there was a big fight that just got resolved recently about whether or not you could uh, post photos of you breastfeeding your child and not your man child your actual child child (laughs) (laughs) and the answer uh, is facebook changed their policy to allow it they disallowed it for a long time so do they have some kind of weird image recognition filter that goes i think they just wait till somebody complains i think there's like an inappropriate button next to images you can it's like hey i like i thought i i liked the cult of matt and mark until they started showing beaver shots all over their page (laughs) i just i can't stand for that kind of thing um i think that's pretty much how it is they have some unpaid intern hoping to land a sweet job at the facebook's (laughs) the facebook's and they just have a whole like they have 20 of them they just sit there and every time somebody push a button the image pops up in front of them they have to decide whether it's against or Oh. According to Facebook policy, so no, I did not uh, post that picture of uh, Susie Pie. But if you happen to have a old collection of penthouses around, I've been thinking about getting a complete collection of seventies and eighties penthouses. Just kind of bit torn, man. Just bit torn. No, there's just something about the old musty, mildewy pages. Oh. You know? Yeah, how many? They're, they're nasty dorm room or uh, frat house bathroom <laughs> floors. Those things have been sitting on. Yeah, but uh, if you have the January, I believe it's January 1981. Uh, Susie is the playmate of the month. Susie and those are back in the, the prime who? days when you had a full bush, and full beaver shots, I which I think is really the pinnacle of pornography. Hey, in the who's States. Susie? Refresh. Who's Susie? That's Susie Pai. She plays um, Miao Yin. Mao, yeah, Miao. Yin. Whoa! There's a there's a penthouse with Miao Yin out there. What are you talking about? I didn't know you that. Real, what do you think I sent you that image for? What image? I got no image. I got. You, did, you the, didn't get the image I sent you? It's on the Dropbox account. 
Oh, the Dropbox. Why, why okay. did you bring up pornography? Open up the Dropbox account. Heading over. I'm, I'm and, cruising uh, right Open up over that now. picture of uh, Susie Pie. I thought you saw it. That's why you brought up pornography. Oh, no. No. You were oh. just thinking about pornography as part of your nice. normal day. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, it's it's more of the minutes I go. So we're looking at the same image right now. This is the centerfold. Uh, you know, it wasn't on Google Images. I had to go to Bing Images to pull this bad boy up. <laughs> you can tell. You can still. You can see where they scanned it, and they actually took out the uh, the, the line the, in the middle. Well, there's a line in the middle, and you can see the holes where the staples were. You know, pretty good looking chick. You know, uh, yeah. What really is she? Asian she's not thing. Chinese. What? What is she? Nah, it looks like she's like a mix of maybe like some sort of Pacific Islander. Personally, it's tough to tell. Some, this, in, this isn't penthouse. It's awfully tasteful for penthouse. Well, their their centerfold usually is the the okay. lab shots are usually uh, from this era are usually okay. uh, in um, the rest of the pictorial. This one's something you can hang on your uh, you know your. Uh, I don't know, your, 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 your radar shop. range <laughs> in the breaker your, me- your mechanic shop yeah this yeah. is something you put on the mechanic shop nobody could really you know have a problem with this image it's pretty straightforward uh oh people image. have a problem with it but they're assholes so <laughs> i guess so so uh, that's that's weird i could have sworn you were just leading me up to talk about Susie pie being in uh i didn't know penthouse. that i i'm i'm uh, astounded and and tickled to find that in the Dropbox. Yeah, well, you can find some more out. images, just I'm not sure. on Google. Google seems to have uh, been become pretty conservative with its image results. I think they've been scraping porn out of their results. That's uh, wretched. Fucking, they got the NSA in their back pocket. That's probably what's going on. Yeah, I was I was surprised to see it. You know, I was wondering because she sort of had that feeling. She like is not an actress. Has sort of no. She had like dull, glassy look in her eye. What like one line? Two, I don't know. Yeah, yeah it was it yeah. was it was pretty unimpressive. I was like, where the hell did they get? The-? And she's really weird looking. She's a she's definitely like a a mixu, you know. Well, she's like she a uh, actually doesn't have green eyes. Those were contact lenses. Oh, they were. Oh, okay. Um, hey, well, show news, man. I didn't even get to the. Sh- what do we got? Any show news this week? Well, that was my show news. Oh, all right. Susie Pae in Penthouse. I mean, if you want another great famous person Penthouse layout, you should check out Demi Moore's penthouse really? Pen- she was you in hear- penthouse oh yeah she had a great spread and I, really? when was it it's about from about the same time i think it was it was march 1981 yeah she has a really nice penthouse spread talking about nice. full beef shots oh yeah yeah well, you, know, you can check out uh, you can check out uh <clears throat> bing for that you bang it she, bing it I, I should go to bing more often i, I don't bang much so um but yeah, no, Demi Moore has never been one for modesty, so I can see her, uh, you know, getting 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 the penthouse going. I, I don't penthouse. I think uh, it's just it's the best. It's the best. <laughs> I think uh, what penthouse is for the serious masturbator at the time. I think uh, pen Playboy was more for um, I don't know. Uh, well, I mean, Playboy was terrible basically through the eighties and well, since like the eighties. Yeah, basically since like about seventy nine, Playboy was the, the shots were just so stupid. Yeah. I mean, they were they were a little more risque and beautiful before that, but once everybody started like looking like a Barbie doll, I uh, know just there's nothing interesting to see, and that goes for Penthouse too. Once you get into the nineties, it's just yeah, a bunch of crap. I know. Uh, anyway, show news. Uh, I think you got this similar voicemail I got from our friend Ben. 
a shout out to uh, Mr. BP back in uh, New York City, a big time fan. Uh, he still listens to us for some reason. I don't know. I am surprised that uh, any. Well, the way I listen to podcasts on movies is I just listen to. There's a few I listen to if I've seen the movie. Otherwise, I don't listen to them. Yeah, but, uh, I that's don't. Cool. If uh, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I was wondering. You lose track of people. Over the years, especially me, because I'm so fucking lazy. The funny thing about that uh, that voicemail is I didn't recognize who yeah, it was. Yeah, you thought it was Dan. Some like, guy named Dan. Uh, hey, going, Mark, this is Dan. <laughs> I was like, when did I give out my Google voice number on Mark's the getting all, like, worried. Like, no, I wasn't getting worried. Stalker? I was like, is there somebody who, like, I mean, you could probably find it with, like, a couple of Google searches or something, right? Or maybe it's on my Facebook page. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But don't worry about I any that, celebrity re- stalkers. I thought that'd be really neat. Somebody was really, really, really looking to contact me. And then I got thinking, maybe we should put that 1-800 number together for people to call. Uh, we should, but we're fucking lazy. So. But anyways, it wasn't the case. It was actually somebody no, it was, uh, it was, it was, know. It was our friend Ben, and he sh- he gave us a few movie recommendations. A few? Uh, couple, yeah. Oh, um, well, what else did you get other than The Breakfast Club? Which uh, Not The Breakfast Club. Fast Times. Uh, Which Breakfast I think Club. is a great suggestion. Bref- Breakfast Club and no, his, Fast he, Times. He was Fast Times. Well, he gave me Breakfast Club and Fast Times in oh, my did voicemail. He? Yeah, oh, okay. So no, I didn't, hadn't, hadn't realized But I've been that. meaning to do John Hughes and Cameron Crowe, so uh, I think we'll probably push one or two of those out here in the next few podcasts. I don't no, know I think which. I think those are a couple of movies. I'm sort of surprised You know what I thought about Fast Times, at least. Uh, I'm surprised we haven't covered it yet. No, especially since uh, I like me some Jennifer Jason Lee a little bit, a uh, little bit in the, you know. Oh, Jennifer in, in Jason Lee, yeah, uh, Penthouse, uh, September, no. uh, nineteen ninety one. Goddamn, Mark is on. No, I'm shit. joking. <laughs> Mark is like a fucking like Rain Man for Penthouse. I have a terrible memory, but I got a fo- photographic memory for uh, Guccione projects. <laughs> All right, we're fucking around too much here. Let's get to the film this week. Uh, our film is, uh, uh, I think for me, the beloved Big Trouble in Little China. Uh, came out in 1986, I believe. Uh, plot rundown. Uh, I think I found actually a decent plot rundown. You can be the judge. When trucker Jack Burton agrees to take friend, take his friend Wang Chi to pick up his fiance at the airport. He never expected to get involved in a supernatural battle between good and evil. Wang's fiance has emerald green eyes, which makes her a perfect target for the immortal sorcerer named Lo Pan and his three invincible cronies, the three storms, which I believe are rain, lightning, and thunder, but I could be wrong about one or two of those. Lo Pan... Lo Pan must marry a girl with green eyes so he can regain his physical form. Now, Jack must have save Wang's fiance from Lo Pan and his henchmen and win back his stolen truck. But how can he defeat an enemy who has no body? So there you go. Eh, maybe not the best one. But it's funny. It, it you know, I point. was thinking about eye colors this week for some mm-hmm. reason. Uh, just looking at the distributions of eye colors and what different eye colors are really called. Because I was, I heard that um, I heard somewhere that green eyes are the most rare eye color on the entire planet. Well, see, green eyes gets uh, muddled or muddied. Yeah, the, that's with, the uh, thing. Hazel. I, always, I always said I have green eyes, but if you look at the naming color charts for eyes, I have hazel eyes. Hazel, hazel and is that's much, and that's, confused. That's uh, much more common than green. I think it's around like. It's common as blue. Yeah, because uh, my wife has hazel eyes, and mm-hmm. uh, I have uh, I have blue eyes, and you have blue eyes, right? No, no, I have hazel eyes. Oh, you have hazel eyes. What's Jean mm-hmm. have? 
Uh, blue eyes. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, yeah. So white folks in general are blue or hazel. And, yeah, I mean, uh, it, there's still a lot of people with green eyes. I mean, I don't know what Lopan's thing is. He wanted a Chinese woman with green eyes. And that's almost, that, I mean, that'd be really tough to find because when the brown yeah. is a dominant trait in iris colors. Though there's a lot of variability in iris color. And there's, I think there's several loci. Well, you have to have you have to have some genetic uh, mixing to get. I think, like if you take what's the largest ethnicity in China, the Han, the Han is that the the largest uh, ethnicity? I don't know. I, I mean, I, uh, I haven't anyway. really learned. I just call them Chinese people, Orientals. Or- <laughs> That's a rug, man. Not a fucking person. Uh, I you know I'm pretty sure everybody's eye color, no matter what ethnic group you are in in Southeast Asia. Pretty sure you have brown eyes. I'm pretty sure. Same with like the continent of Africa. Same with like pretty much the whole fucking world, except it's for pretty uh, o- it's pretty only the northern Europeans that lost some of those pigments in their iris. Well, and you know, I've heard reading my Jared Diamond that we always think, well, you know, why do why do Europeans have light skin and uh, you know light eye colors? And uh, we always think, oh, because you know they don't need it and the melanin and all that shit. Actually, it's a it's a sexual selection thing. Uh, really, I had heard it yeah. because you wanted to remove certain pigments from your skin no. to increase the amount of vitamin E produced. If if we started fi- finding like people with like fucking purple eyes, super hot, in a couple of hundred years, you'd have a significant amount of people with purple eyes. Mm, I don't think purple's really in the mix. Hey man, I've seen some anime. They're they're <laughs> out there. Well, look if I'm uh if I'm having sex with dick girls from anime. <laughs> There's all sorts of traits I'll be selecting for. <laughs> all right. So, uh, Big Trouble in Little China. Uh, I've seen this movie probably since it came out. Big John Carpenter fan. Big Kurt Russell John Carpenter fan. So, I was watching this. This is my umpteenth viewing of this film. And I was like, you know, what am I What am I watching? I, I, I started getting a little objective with it. Because yeah, I was, yeah, what I does was, this movie want to be? Yeah, I was thinking, well, I had read that John Carpenter had originally intended it to maybe be a Western, like, uh, you know, uh, I don't know, old cowboy. Well, you, certainly, you, certainly, got, you certainly got the feeling of the Duke from our intro audio. That's right. Uh, yeah, no, that's sort of Jack Burton's... Uh, Persona, John Wayne right? persona, yeah. He has a John Wayne, and he does his own that podcast. Or, uh, or in the Mr. Hawk pers- from Over the Top. I can't figure out which one. <laughs> Mike Cock. <laughs> no, Mike Cock was the son. Uh, what was the first name of oh, who fuck Sly's cares? character? I forget. Yeah. No, I found interesting, though, is that uh, Jack Burton does a little podcast in the Pork Trap Express, which is <laughs> kind of funny. You know. Yeah, you know, you wonder, <laughs> and he specifically only hauls pigs, which I thought was pretty interesting. Wait a minute, was that what he was hauling? Yeah, that's what oh. they were offloading when he first got to uh, Chinatown, while he was gambling, did I... everybody was pulling pigs off and skinning them alive and whatnot. How the fuck did I miss that scene? That's right at the beginning really? of the movie, when he pulls in, he parks the, the whole fucking semi right in the middle of like the Market Street, and there's people just like uh, basically doing like fire brigade brigading hogs. Out of are the you truck. Sh- are you shitting me? 
I'm, Holy fuck! I mean, I, I just watched that. it. That's what it. Uh, that's what it was there. That's why, why it was, was called. I, the, you know what was it called? Maybe, the bacon. What was it called again? The pork chop express. Yeah, that's why it was the pork chop express. Wow, it makes total fucking sense now. I feel yeah. like I feel like an unobservant idiot because I've seen this movie so many times. How could I not miss a pig slaughter? At the maybe you're just not paying attention right at the beginning. I I just like he he pulls into the dark rainy alleyway in Chinatown, yeah. and then the next thing I know, I know he's. Uh, playing some weird ass like chinese poker not not mahjong something else and, yeah and i couldn't and, figure out what they were doing i think they were just betting on all sorts of stuff i thought they were doing like one of those insect race things no because they had like these dominoes that they're throwing on the table and then they would like the i ching you know you throw these weird uh symbols down or these these like domino like things and then you bet some money on it or whatever and uh i ching fuck, isn't I that a book yeah, but there's like but some. You think you're weird... thinking of mahjong? No, the I Ching has some, uh, like it's kind of like, uh, oh, like reading the tea leaves element to it. But it's these fuck. I'm fucking it up. I don't know. Well, but there's, later in the were... movie, Egg does like a like a reading at the restaurant. Yeah. But that's late in the movie. That's not to do with the gambling. No, no. Anyway, I'm fucking it up, but. Fair enough. Uh, moving on. So so I didn't notice that there was there was slaughter in the streets there. Which uh really so there's pigs like fucking getting their brains blown out? How did well, I you don't that? see it? You just see them carrying the, the swine off the truck. Oh, okay. All right, all right. Okay. That makes sense. So uh anyway, but uh, yeah, Jack Burton, he's a bit of a a Duke character, a bit of a uh who the fuck is the actor that plays the Duke? Oh, the Duke? John Wayne? John Wayne, yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, so that's sort of the setup. But I guess John Carpenter wanted to was toying with the idea of making it a western, but then decided modern times was good enough. So I guess maybe that puts a little bit of a spin on it. And like his truck was going to be a horse that was stolen by the. the oh, the, uh, I could see how that could pan. work. It could still work. I mean, it would be late western times, still in San Francisco. Yeah, when whenever Chinatown got kind of established and going yeah. there, no, th- that makes sense. It seems like it, really this movie could work either way, but it has that element to it. It has that uh, I don't know whatever westerns capture. It had a little bit of that going on with it. So, um, I mean, it had, anyway, it had some archetypal people, and it had a classic you know good versus evil storyline. So I guess. In that sort of sense, it was westerny. It, was, it seems like this was more uh, about firmly placing your tongue in your cheek. And oh yeah, some no, fun this movie, movie, this movie, the dialogue is kind of. It was like the the Scooby Doo writers just took a break and went and I don't know if Scooby Doo was coming out in the eighties, but it's like the Scooby Doo writers got rehired to write the dialogue for Big Trouble in Little China because it has this. Uh, I don't know. Almost. There's never a blank spot, right? I mean, it's the dialogue is when there's no action, the dialogue is, what would you say, almost sitcom-esque, like cartoonish? Yeah, it's, it's not realistic in any yeah, there's, sense. There's no there's no real pace to conversations. There are a bunch of quips, and sometimes they're just people making noises, and sometimes they're just these really hokey, absolutely have to be purposeful, uh, like sort of plot dumps. Right, and, yeah, especially like in the she, first half of the movie, and I think I think it's got to be Carpenter's reason to it because they even like when Kim Cattrall does 
some of those uh, plot dumps. They're told like in like you're reading it off a piece of paper, and I'm well, sure. Well, like that when was she's talking direction. about how she's she's protecting Tara, making sure that her human rights. She's protecting are, her human rights. Yeah, it's real. It's, it's hokey, like purposely hokey. Yeah, and purposefully, I think is the key to this film. It's very campy. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not to be taken seriously. Obviously, no, God no. And the the joke, the main joke of the film is that Jack Burton is really the sidekick, and Wang is the hero. But <laughs> yes. you go, th- but you go through the whole movie, and you know because Jack Burton's the white guy, right? Well, mm-hmm. The white guy has to, you know, he has to lead the, um, uh, I guess the lesser. Folk, you know the lesser ethnicity, mm-hmm. and he's just kind of he's he's the sidekick. But Wang, well, plus is the Jack hero. is so much so much bigger than uh, Wang. <laughs> Wang's played by a very sort of a slight man. Yeah, and he just kind of goes around with it with a gun and is a poor shot, and uh-huh. you know has sort of a a, a uniquely American um, uh, confrontational style with mm-hmm. all his enemies. You know. Mm-hmm. Except he's a straight he does, shooter. You could have a beer with Jack, right? Except for he does a good job on Lil Pan at the end. I think that was, uh, you know, th- that took some reflexes as he. As oh he yeah, Lil Pan. You would expect he'd be better with a knife. You'd think, right? He's a magical dude. He's had three thousand mm-hmm. years. Of but I guess he had training. he had changed to a, a mortal at that point. So maybe he right. lost a lot of his powers. Exactly. So that's the gimmick of the movie. And I think it worked. And even as a kid, because I watched this movie as a kid, uh, it appeals to, I think, at least it appealed to the child in me. And a lot of that has to do with uh, sort of the adventure element that's almost Dungeons and Dragons-like. Well, it's a little, it reminds me a little bit of like Indiana Jones. Yeah, but exactly. more in a, more of in a fun way. But the, there's a little bit of that fun in like the first Indian movie, right? 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 And uh, well, like the first scene where they go into the whatever the the import export uh, business of Lil Pan. I guess that's his headquarters, right? Uh, yeah, whole... he he run, That's his front. It's like a sh- like a importing company. Yes. Yeah, and they end up in the elevator that uh, fills full of water, and mm-hmm. then they magically swim out of it. And they're in this uh, crazy, corpse-laden, uh, underwater tomb. It's mm-hmm. just a total freak show. It's the hell of being hung upside down in water. I know. Yeah, because China has a lot of hells. Uh, supposedly. Apparently. I don't know. I think China right now is just a fucking one living hell, personally. I, China right I, now? China's like it, in its golden age right no, now. No, it's fucking just a... It's about one... To two minutes away from falling apart. Wow. Right. I mean, you can you. say that about the U.S. too. No, they're seriously. They're fuck, man. They, they have whole ghost towns that they've built in the past ten years where there's three percent occupancy. Well, I mean, look, people have to work. I mean, I guess you could make a bunch of consumer electronics that people throw away in two years, or you can build a whole town that you throw away right away. Yeah, they have reproductions of China and London where the nobody's living in them. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Fucking China is nuts, man. I, I, I've gotten into this uh, conversation, this lunchtime conversation with my friend Emma on occasion. Uh-huh. And I like to think that, you know, I'm a liberal white guy, uh, urbane, you know, very uh, nuanced. But mm-hmm. she calls me out. Handsome, she says, intelligent. Right. We get it. Yeah. 
That's right, man. I get my suits fitted, all that shit. Anyway, but she she called me out. And she says I'm I'm a racist towards the Chinese, and uh, I said no, it's not the Chinese people, it's their country that I think sucks. And then, of course, I go through this whole list of everything about, I guess, modern China, maybe not 1986 China, but modern China, that I can't find one good thing to say about. And it just goes on and on. Uh, I could start anywhere. You could bring up any one thing and I could bitch about it, you know. Go ahead, bring one up there. Uh, one thing about China. Um, let's see here. It's uh, uh, starting its new... Um, converted aircraft carrier that's floating around the uh sea of japan uh sadly i don't have anything bad to say about that there endeavor. you go yeah they should be flexing their muscle they got a lot of money it's time for them to uh do a, play a little influence game with the u.s but to be honest it's just it's just a retrofitted russian thing it's not like they built it from the the hole up like we do so. it's not like they spent a huge amount of money for a uh uh, ships that will get uh, sunk in the first hour of any actual fight in war between superpowers. That's a big secret, man. You're not supposed to mention that shit. <laughs> yeah. You could drop, you mean you could drop a nuclear bomb? On Basically, top of we got like seven uh, modern versions of the Yamato floating around the world. It's really who you pick a fight with that's the most important. Well, you, can't you don't pick want to pick a, a fight, you can't with, pick a a fight with China. You can pick a proxy no. fight with China, but you can't pick a fight with China. No, man, you want to park like an aircraft carrier or two off of like fucking Somalia or what's That's all they're good Iraq. for. They're, all they're good for is scaring a bunch of uh, a bunch of pirates that live in dung houses. Yes, but they're it's a pretty, pretty expensive way to scare them. It's very effective. So China, they understand that 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 calculus. So they've built themselves an aircraft carrier. Nothing to say badly about that aircraft carrier. You got me. I have nothing else to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything else, like their fake food. We've talked about China's fake food. Which no, it's is, just, that's just an aspect of rampant capitalism without any oversight. Look, if if, it, if a businessman could get away with it in the U.S., he'd do it. I don't think that is negatively – I mean, I guess in a way that sort of goes under your auspices that you, you hate the country, not the people. Because there's well, assholes yeah, no, that will make that well, in the U.S., just the country won't allow it. The other thing I have a problem with China is, okay, for whatever reason, nobody there has discovered Viagra – so they're still fucking buying rhinoceros horns and tiger paws. I was like, really, dudes? That's funny. Really? You're talking about rhino horns. That was in the news this week. I'm sure you got you. you I did not saw that. I there did was not. there was a couple stories because of how many. There's a huge number of uh, black rhinoceroses have been killed over the past few months from these really organized uh, poaching, poaching operations hunts using like helicopters and, and chainsaws and shit. Lovely. And um, they were talking about some of. Some of the ways there's a there's one preserve that has a rhinoceri on it, and what they've done is I think this is a really good idea, is they've taken the the live rhinoceri and they've infused a uh, a bright orange dye into their horns oh, and a idea, uh, and a poison that's poisonous to humans but not to rhinos with it. Fucking good idea. So basically, man. if you cut off their horn. And you grind it up like you do. You kill be, a Chinese billionaire. It'd be, it'd be. Well, the thing is, you probably wouldn't kill anybody in the dosages people oh, would get. Right. But the, the, the big thing is, you could use that dye to track because it's trackable even at very low concentrations. So the the preserve that's done that hasn't lost any uh, rhinoceros lately, but likely they're well funded if they can afford to do a, which is ends up being a rather 
a complicated procedure to poison it, but it's a great idea. So I, I think you could just flood the market with poisoned fake rhino horn would be a good idea. Anything other than whatever's been going on. But still, the thing I have a problem with is, haven't you fuckers found Cialis or Viagra? Can't you, uh, you know, 60, 70-year-old Chinese businessman pop a pill and get a boner? Why do you have to kill an endangered megafauna? Mm. What the fuck's wrong the, with you? The other thing, I think, it's just, this is a thing where you just got to wait for the old fuckers to die. Basically, anybody that's of our generation or older, we before they're going to stop taking the rhino horn... The generations have just got to die off. There's just no way around it. So that's like one of my big bitches. And that's more of a cultural bitch about China. And maybe that's old shit. Maybe it's getting better. I don't know. Uh, know, I would guess that maybe younger people in China aren't following that. But I I could be wrong. I really don't know that much about it. But this is something where I think people just get it ingrained in their mind. Plus, once you're rich, nobody you just surround yourself with yes people. So nobody says no to you. You just get it. So, so uh, China's treatment of animals, I got that off my chest. The other just fucking unforgivable transgression of the Chinese people, I'm just going to get it out there, mm-hmm. their absolute perversion of scotch whiskey is just fucking unforgivable. <laughs> well, there you have, you've gone into a topic I know nothing about. I mean, oh, dude. I mean, give do you me, mean, give do me you like mean perversion of whiskey in general or that they are, are, are producing like false bottles labeled as scotch whiskey. Oh no, no, I'm sure they're doing that shit. That's all cool. I, they can they can make up they can make fake scotch all they fucking. Now, want you're not talking. Care. You're talking about scotch. You're not talking about whiskey in general here. You're talking about scotch. Style I'm talking. Whiskey. I'm talking about the water of life from the country of Scotland. That's okay. what I'm talking about. Yeah, I see. I so, see you, can't, you can't make that in China. No, no. They, they you can, can make, make it in the style. Thing. Yeah, yeah. And that's not what I'm talking about. Okay. I, what I'm talking about is I read some horrifying statistic that the majority of scotch that's drank in China by the upperly mobile, whatever you call the upper class of of China, who are all status-oriented, is uh, they pour green tea. Most of scotch that's drank in China is is, uh, mixed with green tea. Okay. And, you know, there's some rule that says... However you like your scotch is okay. But then there's another rule that says if you're taking a fucking $10,000 bottle of 40-year-old Dalmore and you're pouring green tea into it, um, just have your teeth pulled out. It's just It's fucking unexcusable. And so when I was in Scotland in the UK on our last sojourn when I got married over there, uh, we took a tour of Strath Isla, which is one of the old Speyside distilleries. And there's a uh, little corner that has like a little medieval uh, dungeon built around it. And it has these very rare casts. Like one of them is the 38-year-old, I don't know, has some deal associated with royalty and all this stuff. And then all the co-owners of this cask. And we're talking mm. like a cask that's fucking worth millions of dollars, whatever, and sitting there. And you look up on this board of co-owners, which means you can show up there, pull a dram, and go, yeah, that's some good shit. Maybe get a bottle every now and then. Uh, and most of the dudes up there are Chinese, fucking Chinese billionaires. And there's a few that are like, you know, I don't know, Saudis or some other shit. And uh, I know that they're pouring green tea into that shit, and it just makes me so mad. I'm like, uh, really? You, you think somebody? Has bought a steak in a thirty-eight-year-old cask, and they're going over and getting a small bottle 
on the on their swing through Europe for some business meetings, and they take back their bottle and they mix it with green tea, and then they feed it to their eighteen year old whores. I I'm, mean, look, I'm <clears throat> maybe here to tell you. But I, I really doubt somebody who's gone through that, all that trouble would have done that. I don't care Look, about you, the... You, you, you the, take your Cuddy Sar, you take your Canadian whiskey, and you mix that with whatever you want. I don't care about the rhinos of Western Africa or the fucking endangered Siberian tiger. But when you're mutilating and destroying the uh, <laughs> rare 40-plus scotches of Scotland with your fucking green tea... It's just fuck. It's just it's just it's just scorched earth as well, far as I'm I think. Concerned. There's only one solution to this problem. We got to poison poison every cast that's over thirty <laughs> years old. That's the only way to solve it. Fucking awake of dead Chinese billionaires. <laughs> Next time you're there, Perfect. sneak into that place and pour some cyanide into each one. Oh of them yeah, because cause it's easy to sneak in. Let me tell sure, you, it won't be a problem. Yeah. We we'll just buy a share of it, and when you go in there, a little sleight of hand, drop the drop the dram, go whoops, you know. And uh, next thing you know, yeah, there's yeah. a bunch of strychnine in there. All right, so if we mortgage my house and Gene's house, we'll buy. No, Gene's maybe, not going to have any part of this. Oh, we're going to we're going to have to. I think. Uh, well, I'm not going to say it. I'll right. I'll broach it with your wife. All right, so let's get back into big trouble in Little China. Uh, Chinatowns. Uh, <laughs> have you been to San Francisco Chinatown? You've been to San Francisco. Did I go to Chinatown? I don't remember. My guess is they've all been gentrified, so now they're like a playground. For whoever has a few dollars, for a bunch of Google and Facebook executives, <laughs> there's a yeah. bunch of 25 year olds that are going. I remember one time I went to the Chinatown in uh, Seattle, and every once in a while I go down there. That's the International District. We we don't have enough Chinese technically to call it Chinatown. Anyways, so I go to the Chinatown there. in Seattle, and uh, there's a uh, this is like every once in a while I do go down there. I go to Yoshishi Myers or whatever the name of that uh, store is. Wajimayas. Wajimayas. They have a bookstore there that's in the same yeah. building pick up some uh pick up some manga every once in yeah. a while mark's a um, manga fan uh but uh yeah a little bit here and there um but i remember one time i went to just one of the little shops and i bought i bought like the fake money <laughs> you know if you done those shops it's all sorts of crazy the oh stuff no like no it's cultural. a chinese deal right you burn the money it yeah see i didn't know so basically i had yeah, this yeah. big wad of fake cash and i thought it was hilarious and i was keeping around with me and then a friend of mine who uh grew up in china mentioned to me that it's, um it's for the dead and it's bad luck to possess it you're, when you buy it you're supposed to burn it right away yeah you, it along you with the it. dead and if you right. keep it um, curses to you it, it's sort of cursed and so uh, i got you have to live shit. for like three thousand years with no flesh right you're like david lopan who failed to burn his money back in the chin dynasty yeah so i got i got exactly. rid of that shit real fast i'll tell you after Fucking I man that, I, mess, I don't want to mess around with that damn dancing on the corpse's ashes by going to chinatown and uh, now i can see why some in. they looked at me pretty funny when i bought it so <laughs> Well, I mean, how do you? I mean, you have to. Everybody buys it, right? They it's could like, have told you, me. It's like, was oh, it you that need hard? To burn this. I'll buy something else here. I got, I got ten bucks to spend. Just tell me, I'm not supposed to. This is for the dead, and I won't buy it. Well, wh- what if you're buying it for the dead? How do they know? Because well, it's, it's some... a couple of stupid college kids joking around in the store, looking at all the weird stuff. They know exactly that we're buying it because we think it's. Well, goofy. they fucking sold it to you. It wasn't like that. They were like. Hey, is this for a dead relative? And you're like, uh, what are you talking about? I was like, fuck you. You're not buying this shit. Get out of here. Yeah. Well, see, it's their fault, too. They're part of the problem. Well, let's be part of the solution and talk more about this movie. 
All right. So uh, Chinatown, which I've been to. I've been to San Francisco Chinatown, which is more or less, I think, about, oh, maybe uh, 100 square blocks of restaurants. Every time I go to Chinatown, it's as Steve Merchant said uh, in, in one of his famous podcasts. It's like, how does a street of restaurants constitute a town? <laughs> <laughs> well, what's Little Italy like in uh, New York? I haven't ever been to Little Italy. You've been there? No. I'm guessing it's probably a collection of restaurants. <laughs> that would be my guess, yes. It's like a gigantic food court, uh, specifically for one ethnic food. But Well, I've been the thing is, it's in cities. I mean, these are multi-story buildings. I mean, sure, there's well, a restaurant on the ground floor, but there's a law office right above it. Yeah, no, no, no. I mean, Chinatown is San Francisco is the oldest Chinatown, I believe, in the United States, and the biggest. And uh, I guess as part of the, uh, I guess nod uh, that Big Trouble gives to to Chinatown, there were organized crime feuds. Nothing quite like the uh, Fighting Tong and the Chang Sing, but you you did get. Uh, a lot of organized crime because you get, you know, impoverished immigrants. That shit just kind of comes with the territory. Yeah, so, you have a huge gun battle where scores of people die. I think the, you know, they might send, they might find a couple of Bart cops to send on in. There so let's, that. well, let's talk about that scene because that's uh, that scene where they're, you know, chasing the, the Camaro, the bitchin' Camaro full of the uh, fighting tong. And uh, he whips into that alleyway and all of a sudden, it's totally like it's a bright sunny day. All of a sudden, they're now on it's all some foggy movie and set, misty. and then they're on some movie set, and you know it's a movie set, and that's what I loved as a kid because it's so, that whole lion witch in the wardrobe feel, right? You know, just in the ordinary. It was a big set do. too. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was probably uh, I don't know if it was indoor, outdoor, but uh, yeah. I mean, it's it was a big soundstage. Yeah, and, it was uh, fun, and then it was just like an homage to some old Hong Kong movies. Well, yeah, it goes into, uh, you know, kind of the five deadly venoms sort of uh, kung fu chop sake business. Yeah, I mean, there's uh, a lot of, there's a lot of, I mean, there's also the great set of the neon, the neon oh, no, ball no. slash oh, yeah. hideout marriage ceremony uh, set where there's basically another chop sake sort of uh, uh, classic kung fu action scenes. See, all that stuff for me as a kid was just like candy. I loved it all. And especially uh, when they go through uh, eggs, like old firehouse, they go down the, the, the fireman pole, and all of a sudden they're like in Dungeons and Dragons Oriental Adventures. You know? They're like, they're, I, think they, I think at one point Lopan calls it the something like the Cave of the Fallen Trees, where the white blood of the world was there. The black blood of the earth. White blood. White blood? Why is he going the black blood of the earth? You mean oil? And I said, like, no, the black blood of the earth. That whole scene. Oh, I thought he was calling it the white blood of the earth. No, it's black. Oh, okay. Because then he's, well, how could, yeah. Anyway. He was otherworldly. Yeah, and then that fucking, like, weird benthic fish-like creature comes out and snags one of the Chang Sings. And oh, yeah. Like, I thought it was a spider. Whatever. And he just, like, throws some kind of firebomb at it. It's like, you will not come out. And, like, Jack Birkin's like, what the fuck was that? <laughs> <laughs> I like Egg. I, I thought he was a pretty awesome character. He's sort of basically, he's basically the Gandalf of this story. Yeah, right. Yeah, he's he's the Chinese sorcerer, which uh, is sort of awesome because I don't know how true any of this shit is. I, I assume it's all 
you know, just kind of contrived and made up. But the whole, um, you know, because we're always treated to the Gandalf uh, Anglo-Saxon version of wizards, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, But then in Big Trouble, we get the whole Eastern flair. It's like, oh. Well, I mean, I guess you could say they're basically almost the exact same person. It's an old eccentric man with a bag full of uh, fireworks. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But the the critters, John Carpenter throws up a lot of, uh, for the Dungeons and Dragons set, a lot of wandering monsters into the dungeons. That is is weird. You know, um, I mean, there was the, the, the sort of the, the, the large creature of the guy in the rubber suit, but the weirdest Uh, thing was the beholder. I know the beholder, which is actually a Dungeons and Dragons critter. I mean, that did guy exactly like make that. that out of full cloth, or was that taken from? You know, I didn't. I was going to look into it. I mean, I won't, did he just make? Is that creature just made up? The sort of evil demon wizard creature? Uh, the beholder. I'm looking it up really quick here. Dragons beholder. It's like straight from. It says beholder Dungeons and Dragons Wikipedia. And it's a little different. The beholder, the, at least the, the the first sketch that I'm looking at here, it's like a floating head orb with a single eye. And did that thing have a single eye? I thought yeah, it they just had, had a, one. Yeah, I Cyclops. It, was it Cycloptic? I can't remember, but it did have the tentacles with eyes at the end, which is a pretty. I'm sure that the beholder's gone through iterations, but it's a it's a mainstay of fantasy horror. I mean, I was playing Dragon's Crown, a rather new game, a few months ago, and there's a big fight with a with a with a, like a magic, dark magic casting beholder in that in Japanese video game. I think there's one in the original Doom game too, like a giant. Yeah, there was eye. there was like those big red demons with the the gaping mouths were sort of beholder esque. Right. Right. Yeah. So, uh, but he gives you kind of a funny, awesome version, like with the tongue, with the eyeball on the end of it. And, uh, it really reminded me. It reminded me so much of the Slimer special effect. I oh, wonder yeah. if the same special effects team was behind the Slimer animation and that, because just just the feel of it was very similar. And maybe it's just because it was floating and it was practical effects of that time. But I really, I wonder if the same hands were on both of those uh, animated puppets. So you get the beholder, you get the uh, mutant orangutan. That's the only thing I can think of. That, that uh, the one that steals Kim Cattrall and uh, shows up on the pork chop express at the end. Mm-hmm. That's the that's the um, I call it the mutant orangutan. You get the beholder, and then you got that fucking crazy cre- cave creature. Yeah. So there's like a lot of like monsters, uh, along with the wizards. I mean, well, it's, it it's like very three. Dungeons and Dragons. What's that? There's three. Three critters, right? And three yeah. storms. Yeah, and, it's uh, weird. Anyway, but I, I just lapped that shit up. I just loved it all when I was a kid. and I it still was just, It's just a fun movie. Yeah, it's totally fun and yeah. campy. Uh, and uh, the acting, uh, it's a little cartoonish. I think we've already covered that. But, but it just seemed like it was meant to be played that way. It didn't feel like there was any actor that wasn't playing sort of a a classic sort of trumped up archetypal role. Everybody was had their place in the movie. Right. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, I, yeah. It, nobody seemed out of place. I mean, it, it seemed all purposeful that all the, the ham-fisted acting was done under direction and carefully tuned. Well, I, I, didn't I get think the, the other part, the other part that makes it um, 
really appealing to kids, or at least appealing to me, was the action is nonstop. Like, it's just clips. Like, okay, they're here, they're there, they're here, they're there. They're escaping, they're going back in, they're escaping again. Uh, you know, there, there's never any lulls that would allow your mind to wander, you know. It's 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 always kind of clipping along. It's moving. Oh well, along. yeah, it's like ninety eight minutes or something. It's a fast moving movie. It's it's wonderfully paced. There's really not a problem with this film. It's exactly what it's meant to be. Exactly. So uh, yeah, no, I don't have any criticisms about it. I was I mean, trying to I find a few. I haven't seen it all the way through, and I enjoyed it. I mean, I guess at the beginning, some of the exposition it gets a little confusing. Of who's what and who, and in the end, it doesn't really matter that much. It's just low pan. And uh, yeah, and then the group that surround themselves around Egg. Yeah, right. Well, I I was going to bring up another anecdote because that's what our podcasts are about. We <laughs> we try to cover the, the movie, but we got to fill the hour, so bear with us, people. Uh, the 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 fight scene at the beginning, and it happened mostly throughout. But the Chang Sing, who are the good guys, right? They're the uh, kind of mustard yellow turbaned. Uh, I don't know. Uh, force of good that uh, uh, hang out with Egg. Uh, who are they? I mean, I guess they're just sort of the good guys, right? They're just sort yeah, of I don't the, know. I mean, I guess if you really played attention to the dialogue, maybe you'd understand. It's something about some old rivalry going back to the old world. I know, in the, a sense, I, I don't really care who they are. It was yeah, just a, it was just an excuse to have a big fighting scene and have the the three uh, storms come. No, so that was uh, it. and that's fine with me. That's all it needs to be. I don't think. I don't think this trying to make a bigger story out of this. I don't think Carpenter meant to. He just needed an excuse to have a bunch of guys in very distinct outfits so you know who was who fight each other. Yeah, yeah. Red versus mustard yellow. And then yeah. you had Lopan show up who had his uh, very unique henchmen, the the three storms, who were mm-hmm. awesome. Um, anyway, so our friend Sean, remember Sean? Snow? No, no, that's Kevin. Oh, <laughs> Sean. He was oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I remember him. Friend from high school. Uh, he was adopted Korean. And uh, when uh, he showed up at uh, Western, which was Mark and I's alumni, or uh, is that what you call? Alma mater. He was, alma he, was, mater he, was, he was a graduate of our alma mater up in Bellingham there. And he was a member of the Korean Students Association. Yeah, which CSA. was this like KSA. Yeah, KSA, which is this weird, like hermetic cultish group. They were um, <laughs> very ethnocentric with their dating. I'll say that much. It's the Sean, Korean Students Association. It's about being Korean or of Korean descent. And it's about apparently <laughs> fucking other I don't know how Koreans. you could call that cultish. I mean, I guess in a sense, but that's the whole point. Well, like, like, like Sean's roommates past a certain time were all Korean. He only dated like Korean chicks, although he ended up marrying a Chinese girl. But anyway, he he was well, look, he. I mean, I think I think the thing was that we were a little hurt by it. Uh, I wasn't. I, Sean wasn't necessary. He he kind of showed his true colors after a few years, but uh, for, <laughs> that's a bad blood coming out here in the podcast. No, he was kind of a, well. Out? He was he, Sean was kind of a dick. I I, I kind of. You sure you don't want me conclusion. to edit this out? No, not really, because right, nobody's listening it, to it that matters. I, you know, in the end, I don't think I knew him well enough to say anything, so I'll let you say your piece. Well, yeah, I don't know. He'd always, like, uh, accuse people of being gay, and, but in a joking half kind of way. 
you know, because they weren't getting laid. It was some weird stuff like that that I couldn't who, who quite sort out. Who would he accuse? Out. Any names? Oh, like, uh, yeah, our friend Mike, who I won't mention his last name, but uh, he he had suspicions, and maybe they're right, but uh, it never seemed very uh, kind when he would talk about people behind their back. So I kind of, I don't know. And then there was a few times where he, he'd, like, come out of the blue and call me, and then he just needed something. He, like, needed a ride somewhere or needed an errand done or something like that, and it just it just came off as, like, it's kind of scuzzy, so whatever. But that's all water under the bridge, and that's not that's not what I'm getting at here. So he hung out with the KSA, and uh, I would walk, I'd catch up with him occasionally, walking through campus from class to class. And so he'd walk with me, and then he would pass other KSA members, and then they would do the fucking Chang Sing sign, you know, that little like hand sign with the. With the finger pointed in the air, you know what I'm talking about that you see throughout the movie. Is that the, the sign you see at the end of the movie? That's what they're all doing. Like they're they're fighting. You know, like when they're fighting the tong, the fighting what's, tong. What's the, what's the name of the sign? The the Chang Sing, the mustard yellow, the good guys. In, oh in, in oh, oh. it must be some classic. And, green and then they stop sign. in the middle of the action, and then they do that. It's like almost a gang sign. Like they do that kind of like the finger pointed up in the air kind of thing at each other. Like, yeah, man, we're okay. Or like, let's rally. Or you Well, know, Jack whatever. gives that symbol. Jack and Wang exchange that symbol at the end of the movie, right? Right. Oh, okay. yeah, exactly. And so Sean's doing this to all the KSA guys walking through campus. And I like just totally took offense to it. I For just starters, because fucking Big Trouble in Little China isn't specifically for the KSA. It's for everybody. Anybody can do that sign. And is it because you guys are Asian and you're a weird cult that you all have to give yourselves like some pop culture sort? Anyway, I was like, that's not yours, man. Big Trouble in Little China is not. I think Matt, yours. you missed a great opportunity that uh, we could have uh, shaved your head and put like a a, a thick <laughs> straight hair cut on you. And uh, put some, uh, I don't know, like sort of melon co- melanin-colored makeup on you, and you could have gone undercover into the KSA. <laughs> really got on the Western Front, really exposed it for the evil, cultish-like organization that it was and still is. I have no, I have, I have absolutely that. The fact that Sean was affiliated, affiliated was maybe their, 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 their biggest transgression in my group. Cause uh, <laughs> after a few years, Sean, Sean wasn't necessarily my uh, bestie, but the fact that they, they, they somehow co-opted big trouble in little China and made it there. They like, like, Oh, that is was, that where you thought they got the hand sign? Is that of not, course, that's, that's like, where they got the hand sign. I'm just wondering, is that like some sort of classic hand sign? Yeah, they were Chinese all in history? the library one night flipping through ancient Taekwondo fighting schools, and they found that the, you know, no, they got it from Big Trouble in Little China. Because <laughs> Sean fucking watched it almost as much as I did back in high school. So, so I mean, they had, they had a little click thing going on, and you were outside the click. And you, there was I no way loved, you could get in it, no matter, you know. Fucking what you love did. big. Tr- I love Big Trouble in Little China more than they did. I can say it. With well, look conviction. when when you were with the uh, the N A um, S A at Western, <laughs> and you name? guys did your little. Uh, you know, you did that little hand chop. Nazi you do. signs. You, no, you oh, had a little. <laughs> you had a little hatchet chop. You did to each other when you see each other passing. That's the Native American for our listeners. Oh, 
Yes. Right. You do right. have to shop. And you go, oh, and I felt bad about it because I couldn't participate. It, it hurt me. You want to know something sad? I actually showed up in whatever little office on campus is for like the scholarship board. And I was actually reading through the Native American scholarship like that were out there mm-hmm. trying to trying to find some money for school. And uh, sadly, I'm only like a 16th affiliated, and you had to be an 8th affiliated. Oh. And if you look at me, I'm fishbelly white. I'm as white as it gets. So. (laughs) Uh. Yeah, but anyway, so that totally rubbed me the wrong way. It sticks in my head, and it just totally upset me. Yes, it's it's just one of those hurts from our past. And the fact that Sean just... He just, he just, yeah, he just kind of soured on me uh, in college, just because uh, I don't know. I didn't find him. I didn't find him that nice of a person after a period of time, and uh, I, I, I think that just made it worse. So I'm gonna take big <laughs> trouble in little China back and <laughs> back for Jack. Kick. If I, I'm gonna go up there and police the KSA, it's like you better not fucking give a Ching Sing sign, or I swear to God, I'll rip that finger right out of your hand. Uh, it'd be funny if they're still doing it to this. Day. I know, it'd be. Wouldn't that be cool? I'd almost respect them actually. They're still <laughs> doing the Ching Sing sign. It's like that is pretty uh, awesome. I'm, I'm glad you got that off your chest. I did. It feels good. So sorry, Sean, if you're listening. I know you're an avid listener of our podcast. Uh, no harm done, but you'd probably say some shittier things about me. So uh, put that in your pipe and smoke it. Maybe you're gay or something. Probably big queer. He got me right. He pegged me. I know he pegged me. (laughs) Oh, well. All right. Uh, Let's see. What else do we got about Big Trouble Little China? I think we covered the China thing. Well, why don't we go uh, see what uh, Eber had to say about it? Ebert reviewed Big Trouble in Little China. Uh, July 2nd of 1986, he gave it uh, two stars, which is, I guess, a, a moderate thumbs officially. down yeah. from Ebert. Um, well, he starts off saying, uh, the movie seemed like a great idea. It takes all those movie co- cliches and uh, looks to do them right. Um, but... Um, Going along with that, he says it takes a hero and his friend on a toboggan ride through one death-defying challenge after another and throws in magicians, sorcerers, karate masters, and a 2,000-year-old man. I mean, he's making it sound pretty good. Yeah, it's fucking awesome. Uh, but he says, like I Tell say, me more, Ebert. it must have seemed like a great idea. Strangely, he says, the first 30 minutes of the movie gave me lots of room for hope, which I, I didn't think, I thought the movie picked up nicely near the end i'm not sure why yeah, he found the, the first yeah. 30 minutes the more exciting one well and the humor the humor stayed consistent throughout the whole thing it never took itself seriously at any point which was which is to its credit after that he says the m- movie began to recycle itself and maybe maybe well, a little uh, too much chop sake fighting no 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 i think what he's getting at is there is sort of a repetition where uh you know they do the sort of the phone tech thing mm. at the front office and they go in and then they're kind of captured and they escape mm-hmm. and and uh they're back out and then they're at the dragon of the black pool and then they got to go back again and then they go through the subterranean uh dungeon and then they end up back in little pans and then they have to kind of you know 
So I think they do that's, it twice. What that's what he's complaining do, about. They do There's two like raids certain... on Lopan's complex. Yeah, and to him, I mean, about. I think that's really the problem that is, I don't think it's a problem, but that's what he's he's harping on is is you see hmm. the infiltration of Lopan's twice. And he's like, oh, it just seemed like they're recycling themselves. Like, yeah, but it's just, you know, they're different. Is that really what he's getting at? That's the only thing I can think of. Yeah, I mean, I I thought maybe some of the fighting scenes. Because they were sort of hokey. And they weren't done as well as some of the Hong Kong stuff. I I thought that maybe if they're just going to sort of lazily do the fighting, like I think they did on purpose, maybe just do it once. Yeah, but you get the big, okay, so you get the big street fight set piece Mm -hmm. and then you get the big wedding set piece yeah those are the only two fights but they're distinctly different and you get like you know some sorcery where they they do that awesome thing with egg and low pan where they kind of do the uh video game thing that was so rad avatars yeah they called forth avatars to fight that was really interesting and they're using their thumbs like thumb wrestlers like controllers (laughs) in an xbox low pan was but I thought, uh, uh, egg, but oh, egg, egg was kind of doing a hand thing, right? He was sort of, he was sort of contorting his hands. You know, I think that might control. have been an original idea from Carpenter, because I don't remember ever seeing that anywhere else. But maybe, of course, I haven't seen a lot of the Hong Kong well, work. And then you get the three storms showing up every now and then, doing doing their fucking awesome lightning from the hands. Yeah, business. do they need the hat to do the lightning? It seems like <laughs> they do, because when they're just wearing their suits, it seems like they can't do the lightning. I don't know the the, the hats while ridiculous were awesome in some kind of way because he knew who the fuck they were he says by the end of the movie he was just plain weary that's just sort of too bad um talks a little uh, bit about john carpenter like says he specializes minutes. yeah i know he specializes in special effects movies uh but special effects all by themselves aren't enough what? he talks a little bit about uh, kurt russell Whatever. and he says uh it reminds him a little bit of indiana jones which must have been purposeful yeah, uh, I think it was. Just sort of the feel for it. Um, he says, criticizing it, that uh, the movie is essentially one extended chase scene. I guess that's what the movie is. It's about them trying to find these two women, which is sort of the yeah. fucking point right. of the movie. It doesn't get too complicated, I'll tell you that. Um, he says that, uh, also another dig he says is that just because Cottrell had green eyes, that she obviously was going to be... Uh, captured by Lopan at some point. I didn't what? I didn't really see that. Though there was sort of an eerie similarity between Cottrell and uh Pai's Pai a face. Uh both hot chicks in the eighties? Yeah they did but they had they have sort of a similar facial features oh. even though one's European and one's East Asian or um, Pacific right. Islander. It was it was okay. sort of eerie. They almost seemed like Well sisters. they were dressed the same. They're just like Chinese brides with makeup and shit on and then their eyes went white which was kind of creepy yeah they're both pretty hot especially when the eyes went white um uh, he talks about again going back talking about chris russell's character that he was a little that he's meant to be a john wayne and then he says the john wayne harrison ford thing i don't know he keeps talking about that yeah well harrison ford was kind of 80s hot property and mm -hmm. and a lot of films were fucking courting him and uh I th- I think they they went with the better choice with Kurt because Harrison Ford's a shitty actor with no yeah, sense of humor. So and Harrison Ford doesn't really have much humor in himself. I don't. There's no humor. Um, yeah. but he goes while well, he I think he liked um, Kurt Russell's character in the portrayal. He says um, 
the the movie needed more characters. I guess he wasn't happy with the other characters in the movie. It's I, a shit ton think, of characters in I don't, this. I mean, Egg, Mr. Egg, Shen is great. You had uh, the Mater D. Who is, who's that guy? Eddie? I forget that guy's name. Oh, yeah. He was pretty yeah, cool. Was his he sort of romance with the uh, ditzy reporter. Yeah. You know, in the sense, I really ended up really liking Wang Chi. As you're saying, he sort of becomes the main mover of the movie, but sort of hidden. Yeah, he's the, like the hero because yeah. he does all the, the heavy combat. He directs the action. He makes the decisions. And uh, Kurt Russell is just, he's the sidekick. That's the joke. And I thought and, the uh, Lopan character was really neat. There was like the one scene where uh, when uh, Wang and Jack meet uh, Lopan when they're tied up as the, has his, his actual form as the ancient old man, undying old man. I thought that interaction was really neat. They had a lot like, of fun. You will not put on this uh, to get it, Mr. Burton. <laughs> that was one of my I, I mean, that was, a, that was a pretty fun little like five minute interaction. With some, oh, yeah. Somebody, I, I just I can't see where he doesn't like the... Uh, other characters. Um, you go talking about the special effects some more. He says the uh, the effects are undeniably mind boggling, but special effects don't mean much sense. unless we care about the characters who sur- who are surrounded by them. You know, I'm wondering is if this movie um, these special effects have in a way gotten better with their age because this movie's supposed to be campy and it's, it's the tongues in the cheek and they're having fun with old tropes. Now that the special effects in the movie are considered old-timey special effects, somehow they even fit better with the film viewing it from our place. Back then, those would have been really very good special effects for the time. And now it almost seems like the special effects are more in line with the rest of the movie. How do you feel about that? Uh, I'm trying to figure out what you're getting at. Well, the idea that this is a movie about taking old tropes and recycling them for fun. Sort of mixing it's, them up. You mean a, little, a bit meta, a little bit Tarantino-ish. And, you're talking, and, yeah. and the special effects, well, when you saw them in 86, they would have been very good special effects. But from our time, they, they're sort of old-timey special effects. Nobody yeah, does but they're not hokey. Yeah, but they are in a way because they're obviously practical effects, which you don't really see any longer. Just like the Kim Cattrall character, you don't really see women portrayed like that any longer in films. And I think I in a way that makes the special effects match up better with the tone of the movie in general. Which I, I think, think you're right. Yeah, no, well, I, 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 as people who have listened to the podcast, I'm a big fan of the old special effects, not so much the CGI shit, which this movie would have had a shit ton of if it was made now. Uh, but the classic effects... For starters, uh, there's much more care, I think, taken with them. And they add sort of a third dimension that I think a lot of CGI fails at. And yeah. so, uh, you know, they're used, I guess, when they absolutely have to be used because they're, they were very expensive in relation to the budget back then. And so, you know, they have a purpose. They have much more of a purpose than fucking a Michael Bay diarrhea fest. You know, like Hala Transformers. Uh, so, you know, like when the lightning shows up, that, you know, it, it highlights that effect. And, oh, that's the and, classic hand-drawn lightning. Yeah. It's fucking awesome. Like, it's all the lightning fun. effects were really cool. But I think film. Carpenter knew that aspect of the movie, and I think, in a way, he uh, he sort of played up trying to make the special effects seem a little hokey with the, orangut- the monster orangutan guy. Yeah. To make it sort See, of feel like an older man in a suit sort of bit. 
a little, you know, a little Ed Wood. Yeah, I think yeah he was exactly. playing. He was playing that up a little bit because that's sort of purposely hokey sort of special effect. Well, the Beholder is really quite amazing. But you can get away with it in this film because it's campy. And so, you know, uh, the whole mutant orangutan thing is, is it's, it's, it falls right in line. With, it does. With and I think film. everything, I think it's aged really well. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, definitely. He does sort of uh, <clears throat> end, end this movie with, with a standard bleeding heart. Uh, Ebert bullshit. Oh, Ebert. He says um, he wonders how this movie will be received by the Asian American spokesman. Oh, yeah, I, can I tell love how you, he, I love how he says that the Asian American. But he doesn't talk about who it is. He says received by the Asian American spokesman. The yeah. Hi, I'm uh, I'm, I'm, the, uh, I'm, I'm the president of Asian America. Nice to meet you. Um, he says that the movie is straight out of the area of. Jackie Chan and Fu Manchu, and that uh, considering all these uh, stereotypes, I'm sure he's sure that the Asian Asian American spokesman will hate this movie. Uh, See, (sighs) yeah, you know, and he he, oh, and he brings it right back around to the white man. Uh, (sighs) As this movie is coming out, just as the warm up to the Fourth of July starts, it seems to me that Big Trouble in Little China is just one more example of the way every American ethnic group has been fodder for Hollywood's mill. He doesn't understand. You know, that's about the most naive statement that I think Ebert's. He doesn't. I don't even know where to start with all that shit. Oh, that's just that's just Ebert. That's just well, Ebert. because I, 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 know. I forgive him for the for those sort of I, self-loathing ideas well, that he has. It's 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 too much. It's too much, even for the mid '80s. You know this this apo- uh, this apologist attitude that, for starters, the stereotypes aren't fucking Asian. St- if you want to find an Asian stereotype, go watch fucking Mickey Rooney or in <laughs> oh. in Breakfast with Tiffany. Oh, it's such yeah, a great go. movie, and that fucking Mickey Rooney bit just fucking. Fucking the, destroys the, the, that movie. It's go, so, go it's, it's, for the buck they really should just edit out the downstairs ch- Japanese character from that movie and re-release it. Oh, it's terrible. That is an appalling, uh, a blackface of a, an Asian individual depicted. All all the stuff in Big Trouble in Little China for starters, it's it's not exploiting stereotypes. It's exploiting. I guess uh, it's 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 sort of what Tarantino does homage to Chop Saki films of the seventies that which are mostly we, like Hong Kong productions. Yeah, mostly Hong Kong productions. Um, I don't see how you could pick a bone with now, the no, stereotype nobody's in this being film. exploited here. There's, there's, there. If anything, they're only making fun of the white characters. Right. Like, well, there's the, the, the funny bit. reporter who doesn't understand anything that's going on. And uh, Jack himself, who doesn't care. Well, like the the funny point, there, there's a funny part where uh, they're getting ready to go on the raid, and like Jack's there with the the Chang Sing, and I forget what the, he's saying. You know, like there's some he just assumes that the guy can't speak English or oh, whatever, yeah. <laughs> and he goes like, "Hey man, who is this fucker?" <laughs> I know, in like a standard uh, uh, South. Uh, Southern uh, Californian surfer accent. <laughs> See, I mean, I don't know what more you need right there. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I just Ebert's. Now yeah, Ebert's just fucking. He's just vomiting up a bunch well, of bullshit for that last I, paragraph. It's a shame. I mean, I, 
I've seen Year of the Dragon. I don't remember much about it. I, it's, it's much more serious, obviously. It's it's uh, it was about uh, like the you know New York and organized Chinese crime, whatever. But fucking Big Trouble in Little China. There's absolutely I don't. There's no bones to pick here. Uh, hey Jack, it's Chinatown. Do you think he had to give it a splat because he was like, it, you know, know, I hate to think that that it, that really maybe knocked a star off his review. Those feelings. That, that's a shame. I feel like I'm exploiting Asian people by enjoying this movie too much. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. People just guilt themselves into all sorts of weird feelings. I just feel like I'm enjoying this film too much. I got I to gotta stop. You know, I got to practice some tantric techniques with my film enjoyment or something. It's just fucking ridiculous. You know, uh, and this movie was what done almost 30 years ago. And yeah. it's still I would stay somewhat still ironclad with regard to its uh, perceived transgressions with regard to prejudice, right? I mean, come on. It's still yeah, well, there's it's not, not really, offending there's anybody. There's not really any transgressions in this movie, and the movie not f- remains fresh because it makes its own world. I mean, this is this is another classic movie that's out of time. It makes its own universe that it lives in. And I don't think this, this movie is one of those movies that, until really the main way people enjoy storytelling in society changes that this movie will have a fresh feel to it yeah it's totally alice in wonderland which is why it's awesome so anyway uh i think we've covered as much as uh we can cover and uh i've definitely got my uh you know i guess uh i I, people would probably find my uh comments about the chinese people way more offensive than they would about uh big trouble little china so i'll leave it at that i think I think that there's more prejudice there than there is to be found in this movie. That, and, but there's no prejudice to be found in this movie. Exactly. Right. Uh, so that's about it for Next this week. podcast. Yeah, what are we, it's, I, I enjoyed this movie. Doing. I'm glad I sat through it in its entirety. It's the first time I've done it. And I did, it did, did I really have a really, really, you know, really a fondness really was created for the film. Um, next, movie, next week is a movie that I'm surprised you haven't seen. Now, we're continuing my short cycle, which... <sighs> Okay. I've got a huge fucking list of 90 minutes so or less movies put together. All right, by so you're going to leave it to me to do the 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 the, the recommendations and I'll, I'll be in the short cycle for at least another couple of months of real time. Like um, All right, so Ben, I'll I'll uh, I'd be happy I'll be happy to do those after that, but well, really, I I'll, want to stick I'm with my short cycle in. for a while because there's there's a bunch right. of interesting movies that have come up, and one of them that this is you might not like. The other selections I have queued up. <laughs> I guarantee shocked. you. <laughs> I guarantee. Well, our viewers like it. That's I the guarantee, key question. I guarantee you will like this movie. There's just, it's right. just, there's no way you won't like this movie. It's not because you should like it. It's not because you should like it for any reason that I like it. You Does will it, like this movie. Is it? Is it somewhat of a cult film? That's all I have uh, to say. I mean, I guess it's a smaller movie. And it's by a director who's uh, done some other interesting films that I haven't seen. This is the uh, year 2000 release of a film by uh, Jonathan Glazer. Uh, I think it's one of his first big uh, budget movies, even though the budget's not huge. It's called uh, Sexy Beast. Now, it's got a, a just an amazing performance, a titular performance by Ben Kingsley as the Sexy Beast. And then it has the main character. The main protagonist is played by Ray Winstone, which I'm sure you've you've seen before. And uh, I'm sure you'll really enjoy his performance. It's absolutely, absolutely great. It's basically a British crime movie. 
Okay. And uh, yeah, just, I just know those two about it. those two performances are just awesome. And uh, yeah, and, it's, and it comes in at a, not, a tight eighty-eight minutes, which makes it eligible for my short uh, cycles. Okay. All right. So uh, next week is Sexy Beast, and until then. Sorry, I'm just thrilled to be alive. <laughs>